And I love hearing stories of change and how God has changed and is changing people. And I don't know how you walked into this place today. I don't know what you're burdened with. I don't know what you came in carrying, but I want you to know God is still changing stories today. So today as we get started, I just wanna pray for you. Father God, I pray right now in this moment that each one of us would trust you to continue to change our story. Maybe somebody's story needs to begin to change today. But Father God, I pray that what each one of us would know is that you're a God of great grace. Thank you for people sharing their stories and the courage to share just their life and their truth that they've experienced and the truth of who you are and how you create something new and beautiful out of what is broken and difficult. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, today, as we get started, I want to talk to you a little bit about measurement. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about uh, the Lord and him measuring some things. And so as we get started, as we talk about measuring, there's some, some measurements that are used that are out there that are a little odd. And perhaps you've never heard of these. So I'm going to see if you've ever heard of these units of measurement. Has anybody ever heard of a, a beard second? Does anybody know what a beard second is? All right. So a beard second is actually something that's used to kind of measure in light years. I don't know why. But um, what it is, it is the average growth of a physicist's beard in one second. I don't know why, but they decided to do that. Somebody was very bored in their lab one day, obviously. All right. Um, uh, has anybody ever heard of a smoot? Measured anything by smoots? All right. So a smoot was established in the 1950s when at Harvard, uh, a young man by the name of Oliver Smoot, who was trying to become a part of a fraternity, was used to measure the length of the Harvard Bridge. And so the Harvard Bridge is 347.7 smoots long. All right, um, give or take an ear is how they wrote it. All right, and so um, that's how they measured that. Have you ever heard of the measurement called a Mickey? All right, a, a Mickey is the smallest measurable distance that a computer mouse travels. It's like 0.1 of something very small. All right, and so it's called a Mickey after obviously uh, Mickey Mouse. All right, um, and then have any of you ever heard of a Mega Fonzie? Any Futurama fans, maybe? Uh, a mega Fonzie is a scale of coolness with Fonzie from Happy Days being the full measure of coolness, and you get measures of mega Fonzies depending on where you are cool or not. And actually, I guess last week I found out I'm not, I don't have very many mega Fonzies because I used, um, uh, what word did I use that is a teenage word? I used something and my kids told me it was very uncool and not mega Fonzie of me to try to use the lingo, all right? But today I want to start by, by, by talking about um, a, a, a biblical measurement um, that is used in Bible. It's not biblical measurement. It's, it's, it's an old measurement, so it's mentioned in Scripture. It's called a cubit, all right? And here's what a cubit is. A cubit is the distance from your elbow to the tip of your, your finger. So everybody kind of hold your arm up. That is a, a cubit. Now, here's the thing. Hmm. So I thought would start middle school this week. No, anyway, um, here's the thing, all right? Not all cubits are created equal, correct? So if you would consider yourself to be a human being who is on the higher end of the spe spectrum of, of measuring human height, I need a volunteer. In other words, you're tall. I need a tall person. I'm trying to, all right, Dan, yep, you're tall enough, come on. All right, now, I was trying to say that politically correct because now I have to, if you would consider yourself to be an adult who's on the lower numbers of measuring 
adult altitude. Can I get somebody to volunteer? Sure. All right, that'll work. All right, now, right over here. Let's get in the front over here. Right over, yeah, yeah, that'll work. Yeah, I think this is going to work between the two of you. All right, so, so what I need to do now is I need to measure your cubit. There we go. All right, so that is 19 and three-fourths inches long. All right. That is 15 and a half inches. Now, let's say we, were, we had a building project and I sent Dan over here and we said, we need this to be 10 cubits long, right? I sent you over here and we have 10 cubits long, right? Brittany's on this side. And so I have a question for you. Are those gonna measure up? Is that, is that building gonna work? No, that is going to not work because it's not the same measurement. All right, thank y'all very much, all right? And so, so here's the thing. Um, yeah, y'all give them a hand for being willing to be tall and short in front of everybody, all right? And so, um, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Do you trust the Lord's measurement when the Lord measures into your life? Do you trust it? Do you trust his standard? Is it enough? Is he good enough? Has he been faithful enough? So today we're going to talk about how the Lord measures something and a question for us is, do we trust the measurement of the Lord? We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 as we continue in this series, This Is Me. In Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1, it says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I want to stop there for the moment. I want you to understand something, that everyone in this room who is a follower of Christ has a calling. You've been called. Not not just have we been called to, to grace and hope and salvation. We each have a calling on our life, a purpose that God's created us for. But to live out this grace of God, which he's given us this calling in, we have to walk in a manner that is worthy of that calling. So I want us to, to be reminded about kind of where this truth is coming from, that we're kind of going back in, in this This Is Me series to this beautiful truth that's found in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, where, where we learn just the value and place of grace in our lives, where it says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared beforehand for us. There's a few things I want you to understand about the grace of God. It is the grace of God that saves us. Today, if your life is right with Christ, it is because the grace of God. You did not do it and you cannot do it. Today, you're not sure whether you've ever experienced being made right with God and experienced this salvation. And then today, we would love to have a conversation with you at the end of service about what it means to know the grace of God and put your faith and trust in the Lord. For by grace, you're saved through faith. Your faith is a response to his grace. But it's not just that you're saved by grace. You're his workmanship. This is a beautiful word. This is your, you're his handiwork. He has created you in Christ Jesus. And it's something that he intends to use in beautiful and amazing ways. And not only has he made you his handiwork, he has set out for you good works to do. You have a calling it's not just missionaries and pastors and these roles that have calling. Every follower of Christ has a calling and you've been called to it. We have to walk in a manner, we have to live in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager 
to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. According to the measure that Christ has, has given this gift by his grace, each one is given a gift. These are spiritual gifts. We're gonna dive further into spiritual gifts this fall, but God has gifted us. He's created within us things that we are good at for his, for his gospel and for his glory. But it's by his measurement. It goes on to say that some of those gifts he's, he's given to the church, apostles and teachers and preachers and you know, th these positions, but it goes on to say this. This is why. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's why he has done this. And so the first thing I, I want to encourage you today with, I want you to understand something about who you are in Christ, is you need to live called. You have a calling, and you need to live like it. There is an urgency to having a calling. It's not an emergency. There is an urgency. There's a difference between emergency and urgency. Emergency, you, you get frantic. We're not, we're not called to live a life that is frantic, but we do have an urgent mission. You know, I remember different seasons and experiencing calling in my life. Um, one of those, when I was 13, I was at a conference and I knew that the Lord had called me to be a pastor. And I literally couldn't stand still. I had to go and tell someone about that calling in my life. I remember the day that Wendy and I visited Prairieville and we knew we had been called to start a church in this city. And, and, and that just, it moved me that there was this calling and we should each live called, but it's not an emergency. It's, there's this sense of urgency. And there's this sense of urgency because the mission never changes. No matter what part you're called to do, we're all on the same mission. To go and make disciples of, of all nations. And to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And to teach them everything that he has commanded us. And surely he is with us to the very end of the age. For us, for us that is to bring real life in Christ to ascension parish and beyond. And you know, no matter how long I live in that calling, it's been 20 years now. And you know what? There's more people today in Prairieville that if they were to die today, would spend an eternity without God in hell than there's ever been before. There is an urgency to our mission. We have to live called. We have to live like we have this calling. The Lord wants people to see this in us, this gift that he has given us, this ability. He desires for the world to see your gifts because he desires for the world to see his grace and his glory. He desires for this to be true. He, he wants the world to see what he has made you good at. Why? So that they might see that he is good. They might know his glory and might know his grace. But there's a certain way we've been called to do it. If we're gonna do this in a manner worthy of the Lord, we have to do it in all humility. If you're gonna use this measure of grace, this gift that's been given you in a way of humility, it means that you're gonna be grateful and faithful with the gifts that God has given you. You're gonna be grateful for those and, and you're gonna be faithful with them. By the way, it is impossible to be grateful for something that you are not faithful with. It is impossible to be grateful for something that you are not being faithful with. 
If God gave you gifts and abilities and you're grateful for those, then you are going to be faithful with those because you're grateful for them. You're going to be faithful in serving the Lord in, in all humility. Denying your capacity is not humility. It's disobedience. Saying you have nothing to offer is not humility. It's a lie. And it dishonors the Lord to speak that the Lord has given you nothing that you might serve him with. It's not humility. That's fake humility. So I, I can't do anything. Yes, you can, and you know you can do things. The trouble is you don't want to do anything. You don't want to do anything too much. Like if I make a commitment and let people know I can do those things, you know what's going to happen? People are going to start expecting me to do those things. And I don't want anybody to expect me to do those things because then I have to do those things. I know. But if you're ever going to be grateful for the gifts that God has given you, you have to start being faithful with the gifts that God has given you. He deserves the glory. He's worthy of it. It's humility, not arrogance, that leads us to serve. It's because we trust that the Lord has equipped us and called us. It tells us not only with humility, but we're to do this with gentleness. You know why we have to be gentle with one another? Because God didn't create us all the same. We're all his workmanship, and he created us all differently. And sometimes we need some gentleness in our life because the differences can frustrate us. See, some of you think, well, if everybody just thought the way I did, think and did the things that I do and act the way I did, the church would be so much better. The church would be disgusting if it was just a bunch of you. Like, worship was awesome, and I love being led by our team with so many gifts. It would have been terrible if I had to do this. That would not have been good. Not my gifts. We have to be gentle with one another. We have to be patient with one another because we're trying to build one another up in Christ for the purposes of serving the Lord together. Man, patience can really be tested sometimes when, when especially if you're investing in people and they're not maybe beginning to do some of the things that they're capable to do. You can kind of begin to grow impatient. It's like when you give your kid a juice box. Parents, you ever had your patience tested? And the kid says, I'll do it myself. And for like, longer than a meal should even take. You watch your kid fumble with a straw and not get it. Like, just let me do it, right? I just want to do it. Man, that we would be patient with one another, that we would use our gifts, why? So that others could use theirs, that, that we could be built up for the purpose of doing the work of the ministry. Bearing with one another in love. This literally means carrying the burdens of one another. It's work. Because of the gifts we have, we're going to serve in such a way that it's for the good of other people, even if it's at the cost of ourselves. Did you know that? When you serve, it costs your energy, your time, your passion. You're gonna get worn out at times so that somebody else could benefit. And here's how it ought to be working. And then that somebody's gonna be using the gifts that God gave them serving in such a way that you'd be encouraged in your faith and grow in your faith and be built up and that's how it works that we would be gentle with one another we would bear one another's burdens 
that we'd be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. This is one of the places where I think modern Christianity has lost the truth that God has intended for us, that we should be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Like, unity is not a feeling. Unity is a fight. You gotta fight for it. You gotta desire it. You have to desire to be in unity with other people. It's not just this emotion you get, oh, I'm in unity. You know, if we're not careful, what we look for is uniformity instead of unity. But God has created us all differently. And there's gonna be struggle. There's gonna be some, some diff disagreement. You, you, know, you know what scripture tells you when you're out of unity with somebody because they've offended you? You know what scripture tells you to do? to go to them one-on-one -on -one and speak of the offense. Why? So that you might win your brother. Not you might win the argument. The argument really is not the point. It's that you might win your brother. And if that doesn't work, you're supposed to go find two or three other people who love Jesus and are not on your side but are on God's side and take them with you so that between them they might help you and this other person come to an understanding because you might find out is that you also wronged them and you're in sin also and there needs to be forgiveness between the two of you. That's why you bring two or three witnesses, not two or three allies because unity matters. And then if it still doesn't work, you involve leadership in the church so that, the, 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 wow, because unity matters. You know what it also tells us? When we realize we're at a place to worship and we realize we offended someone, we should leave the sacrifice of praise at the altar, go be reconciled to our, our brother and sister in Christ and then come back and worship. Why? Because unity matters. And it's been lost in the church. It's a fight, not a feeling. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you with something. If we're not careful in our faith, we run from place to place and church to church seeking a feeling of unity instead of fighting for it. Now, some of you, I will, I will say, there comes a time if you've walked through the process and there's some disagreement, you might have to choose to leave somewhere. But did you fight for the bond of the unity of the spirit as scripture has laid out? I'm gonna tell you this, if we're ever gonna be a healthy church, it's because we're gonna be a bunch of people who believe that it is our job to maintain the unity of the spirit by the bond of peace. You're gonna to have to put some work in along the way. So we have to live called. And this calling's not always changing. And because we live called, we live given. We give our gifts, we give our lives to the service of God, to the grace of the gospel being proclaimed to others being built up in Christ. Being grateful for God's grace always causes us to be faithful with his grace. And this is what he talks about in living a life that is given, that is given to one body. You know what? The church matters in the story of God. Now, I, 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 just, I think way too often in today's world, we, we treat the church too weakly. Like, we don't, we don't let it be enough of what God intended it to be. The church is a body of Christ. The word church is literally the word ecclesia, which means gathering or assembly. It would be a group of people who would be in a space and would know each other, would be in contact with each other, would have a purpose together, whether that was political or social. Here it was used for the spiritual. And that's what God intends. Yes, there is this idea in scripture of the universal church and we're all a part of it. But I'm gonna tell you this, if you're not being part of the church local, you're not being a part of the church universal. That's how it's lived out. 
this one body that God has called us to. Like you'll actually see something in the way I try to go about doing some things is I am not trying to build a super big following online and there's a reason. I don't want anybody in Florida to pretend I'm their pastor. They need a church. I don't want anybody in Texas or across the world to think that, that they're participating in the healthy functions of the body of Christ because they watch church online. They need some folks, some people who can look them in the eye and love them when they fall and pick them up. There's one body, and that church matters to our Savior who died for it. It should matter to us. One church there's one spirit. God desires for people to see him, not us. Now see him through us, but it's not about us. It's one spirit. It's one hope. People need one hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ, for there's no other name under heaven and earth by which men might be saved but the name of Jesus. That's the only hope we have. Our hope is, your hope is not fellowship church. It's the Lord of her. We would declare this hope. There's one Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's one faith. People, people need to put their faith in, this, in the one Jesus Christ. There's one baptism that we're baptized into the name of Christ, entering into one body. There's one God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he is over all, he is through all, and he is in all, for it is all for his glory and he is worthy of it. Live given, for he's worthy that you would give the gifts he has given as he has measured them out. Whatever gift that is, he is worthy of you giving it however he gave it to you to give to him. Did that make sense? Because he, if you have it, it's because he gave it to you. Whatever you're good at, spiritual gifts, natural talents, abilities, if you're good at it, God made you good at it. And he made you good at it for his glory, not just your own good. And you will never be faithful with it until you are faithful with the measure that he has given. And he doesn't measure it out all the same. Like, I want you to remember this parable. It's a parable of the talents. And one person got 10 talents. One person got five talents. And one person got one talent. And the person who was given 10 talents, when they were called to account, had, had earned 10 more talents. And they were faithful with the 10 talents they were given. Now, the one who had been given five talents showed back up with five more talents. And they were also considered faithful with the talents they had been given. Now, I want you to understand, they weren't required to bring back 10 even though they had only been given five. They were faithful with five when they brought back five. But the person who was faithful with 10 would have been unfaithful with 10 if they had brought back five. He measured it different. But one servant only got one talent and they didn't do anything with it. They just brought back the one. And they were called unfaithful and thrown out. We have to live given. He's worthy that we would give to him the full measure of the gifts that he has given us, that he's measured out by his grace. You are not fully living in God's grace if you are not fully serving with God's gifts. You are not fully living in God's grace if you are not fully serving with God's gifts. You're missing out on the beauty of what it means to be his workmanship. 
You know, a lot of times we talk about gifts and serving and giving of yourself. We make it only sound like the church needs you to do this and the church needs you to do that. I'm going to tell you this. I am not talking to you today about what the church needs. I'm talking today about what you need. You need to give your gifts to the Lord. It's good for your soul that you would give your gifts to the Lord. Yes, that benefits the church, but you need it. For he has given it to you. He's measured it out. Here's what you need to understand is that gratefulness leads to greatness. If we're ever going to do anything great for God, it's because we're grateful to God for what he's given us. There's no other way. And he's measured it out. He's given you whatever it is he has given you by his grace, by his measurement. And you have to trust him with that. And use it as God has intended. And be obedient with it. Because, you know, there's certain gifts that'll put you on a stage. And other gifts will put you in a booth hidden in a back room. There's some gifts that'll put you at the front door greeting people and some that'll put you behind the door serving in a way somebody didn't see. There's some gifts that'll send you out building something and there's some gifts that'll send you in teaching something. There's gifts that'll lead you to serving with children in ways maybe you don't even see what God is doing because you can't see the years. Or serving with students. But God's measured it out. He's given it to you. He's called you to be faithful with it. I'm gonna tell you something. The church is in no need of celebrities. The church needs servants. God has called no one to be a celebrity, but he's called everyone to be a servant. It's not about us. I'm going to tell you something. It is incredibly humbling to me that for some reason God decided to measure to me the ability to get up and talk for a little while every Sunday and make a difference in people's lives. Like I'm blown away by that. Like people, y'all come up to me and go, man, God really used you, blah, blah, blah. I'm just, I was just talking. Like, that's what God does. But I want to tell you something. That's what God does. That's not what Kirk does. That's the measure of his grace. Be faithful with it. Whatever it is, be faithful with the grace and the gift that God has given you. Do you trust the measurement of the Lord? If you're grateful for the workmanship of Christ in your life, then you will be faithful to do the good works which he has prepared in advance for you. Because it is your honor and privilege to serve the glory of the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's all his grace. I talked to this last week. Whatever is gone in me, whatever is good in me, is God's grace through me. Whatever is gone and whatever is now good, is God's grace in me. May we be found faithful with it. If you are not serving the Lord in his body, the church, by his spirit, for the cause of faith in others who are or will be baptized in the name of the Lord for the glory of God, you have missed out on the picture of the fullness of God's grace in your life. And you need to see it fresh and new. 
because his grace goes further than your salvation. His grace leads you to his service. And it's a beautiful thing, the body of Christ and each individual part there of it. We're gonna spend more time talking through that this fall, but today, as we end, I wanna challenge you. Some of you maybe just need to know God's grace for the first time in your life today. You say, before I get to the serving part, I need to talk to somebody about this salvation thing you're talking about. We'd love to have that conversation with you. It's the most important conversation we could have. Today, any day, right now, when service ends, after I pray, if you have any questions about what it means to know salvation, through grace, I'd love to have that conversation. Myself and some other leaders will be up here. Maybe you're here today and you've grown discouraged in serving. Um, maybe, maybe you've been through some things where it was, there was disunity and you've had difficulty. and You just need a fresh movement of the Lord in your life and you want some people to pray with you. There'll be some prayer partners up here that would love to spend some time in prayer with you today. Maybe you're here today and you say, Kirk, I'm just not being faithful with the gifts as they have been measured to me. Man, out at our Connection Center, right out these doors, right out here at these tables, they would love to talk to you about the ways you can serve on our ministry teams and get started at Fellowship Church because God intended for you, his handiwork, to do his good works. And he intended for the body of Christ to build itself up. So we want to encourage you to be found faithful in that as you're grateful for his grace. So I want to ask you to stand with me now. We're going to dismiss in prayer today. Father God, I pray right now, if there's anybody in this place that does not know the grace of your salvation, has never come to that place of faith, Father, I pray that right now you would change their heart and their eternity and their life. Father God, if there's someone here who's discouraged in doing, that you would renew their spirit. Maybe somebody who's never really stepped into their places of serving in, in the church. Maybe they don't even know what those gifts are. Father, I pray that today they'd be willing to talk to us and let us help them get started on that journey of discovering the beauty of what you have created in them as your handiwork. And Father God, we're so grateful for your grace. May all that we do and say be to the glory of our God, the one God, who is over all, in all, and through all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a great week. God bless you.